everybody, quick little heads up, we had some technical issues while recording this Session Zero and Incarnate Episode 1, so things might sound a little weird. I promise the editing skills and recording will get better, we're all learning the new tech, and quickly realized we needed new microphones, so please be patient with us. And with that, let's get on with the show! Alright, welcome everybody to Dice and Consequences, and that was as smooth a segue as I think that we can uh, get into this. Welcome everybody back, and everybody too. Is this the first episode? I'm not sure what this is, but this is Session Zero. So, I am your humble dungeon master, Jake Geedy, and joined at the table here. We're going through Discord this time, so why don't we start at the top? So, uh, Chris, why don't you uh, tell everybody name and a little bit about you. Hi, my name's Chris, and... uh... Yeah, we we found yeah, we found we found Chris on the side of the road and he was doing something about paint and I don't know what what was it, Chris? Yeah, um they, they found me in a bush. My clothes were made out of only specifically uh Sherman Williams plastic bags of a terrible time. Oh, I see. I see. And uh joined, of course, uh bringing Chris to the table who found him in the bush. That's Kirsty Hamilton. How you doing? Hey, how's it going? So yeah, I'm Kirsty, and I'm exceptionally boring. Exceptional. Okay, well that's a that's a glowing review. Come on. <laughs> yeah, like uh, that's that's a little bit rude to all of us now because now now everybody thinks we hang out with boring people. <laughs> if you're saying that, then I'm exceptionally dumb. <laughs> Well, firsthand, Kirsty. Well, Chris, let's not over let's not undersell things here. <laughs> oh, <God>. oh boy. <laughs> Anyway, and then, okay, so there's Kirsty, and then, of course, uh, Savvy Baldwin. Hey, everybody. Well, I am exceptionally average. Exceptionally average. God, you guys are the worst at intros. <laughs> That's exceptionally boring. You know, I didn't think about the intro. We kind of, like, jumped into this. I mean, I didn't. Well, yeah. Well, uh, hey, you guys, you guys didn't want to see it coming, so I just, you know, I just... Started, you know, that's, that's the band aid. the band aid off, exactly. And then, of course, we got Austin down there at the bottom. How you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm great. I'm exceptionally interesting. I don't know who these people are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> as as said by your Discord name here right now, three cobol- three kobolds in a trench coat right there. That's right. Beautiful. So, Beautiful. So everybody joining us here, what is Dyson Consequences? Well, Dyson Consequences is yet another D&D podcast here. We are uh, a couple of friends doing uh, two concurrent campaigns right now. Is that right? Con- is it concurrent or co-current? Concurrent. Perpendicular. Perpendicular. Yes, perpendicular campaign. They have claims. nothing to do with each other. Yes. Completely. Well, no, wait. Par- parallel is, is that way. No, nope, per- they're per- perpendicular, perpendicular campaigns, these. <laughs> okay, so they're, they're going to smash right into each they're- other uh, halfway through, and everyone's going to be oh, super no, I confused. Think, I think both of us being in there is a smashing right. Ah, I see. I see. That's what it is. So we're we're now, now they're running different ways from each other. I see. So we're we're the dimension altering event. Then that's that's what it, it is. is. I see. That's us. Anyway, so Dyson Consequences, like I said, is yet another D and D podcast with a bunch of us friends doing two concurrent campaigns. Here we have Austin, who is the DM of the uh, second campaign. Austin, we want to tell everybody real quick just what that campaign is. 
and we're doing a Strahd campaign, and I'm DMing it, and you guys are there. <laughs> yes, Mostly there. there. there Eric's we. there, too. Yes, and, yes, and Eric is there. You'll, you'll, uh, you'll hear from him in one of our later episodes. But uh, this one is my campaign, and this is what we're calling for, uh, I guess, lack of a better term, because it's based off of this custom rule set from the community here, and I'm trying to remember who exactly made this thing. Uh, If one of you guys wants to pull it up and tell me real quick while I stall for time. And it's called Incarnate, Last of the Lacers. So uh, we put a poll in our little Discord thing when we started wanting to do this. And uh, I was pushing for space, but everybody wanted Avatar because we were all watching Avatar The Last Airbender at the time. So we have now successfully completed that, or at least I've completed most of the campaign for that. And we'll be uh, going along here. Now, everybody's had a couple of sessions beforehand with their own characters' backstories, which will come into play later on. But I figured we'd do this off camera and everything so oh, each quick. yes go ahead Incarnate last of the lasers is by alex tanner oh thank you alex tanner there we go with uh, a character sheet by uh <laughs> darker dungeons uh, bless you darker dungeons it does, it does come with a specific character sheet with the book on dm's guild we're just gonna plug everybody yeah it's created by gil gilherm pentoya Okay, great. I so there you go. But we're we're using we're using roll twenty for the majority of our things here, and so uh, with it being roll twenty, we're using the uh, darkest du- the darker dungeons uh, character sheet because uh, it's the one we're most familiar with. Also, it has some cool little doodads and stuff that uh, we can uh, use to make our rolls a little bit easier. So uh, enough about that stuff. So welcome to the world here, guys. So uh, we're going to go ahead and take just kind of like an overview of uh, the world. And you guys all should have your maps because you're good students. You're good noodles. So the name of the world is Valen. So welcome to Valen, everybody. And uh, we're going to drop in some lore in this episode zero run. But first, before we jump immediately into the world here, why don't we talk a little bit about our characters and a little about a bit about what uh, people can expect from uh, this podcast or this campaign here so why don't we start with austin with uh usan yeah how old are we i how old how I, well i i'm 26 how, how, how old are you austin? austin how old are you i don't know <laughs> I was like, i've already made this mistake before <laughs> you're not gonna make it you're again. not gonna make it a second time well see that's why i figured we, we'd go with you first so that way we can kind of like <laughs> We, we we can gauge where you're at and just see how far off you are. See, in our home campaign, uh, we were playing a bunch of high schoolers, and Austin decided that he was going to play Sir Reynard, the valiant 25-year-old <laughs> Elkshaw Academy student. And, uh, I want to say we're 17. Yeah, you're 17. Right. As, as you wish, I'm 18. Yeah, you're, yeah so you guys... <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm 30. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so uh, so they're all 18, uh, basically 18 year olds, because you're all at right about the age of majority for uh, your specific group here. So we're gonna go ahead and start with Usan. So tell us a bit about Usan. What's going on there, Austin? Where is the uh, on our map? Where is the the air temple at that I was sure of? Oh right, 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 right. So the temple here is in the um, Foros Mountain Range, which is on the peninsula there 
between the Airwalker Pass, basically. It's the little peninsula right there. So that, 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 that long stretch of land there, it goes into the sea. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. the part where it gets skinny and then fat again. Yeah, that's the Airwalker the uh, Pass. was responsible for uh, going out and protecting some, some amount of land. Did they just go everywhere? So basically, he is part of the, what, what are they, the Air, um, not Air Nomads, but that's Nick. They are... <laughs> Dang it, Nick. Air people. We'll just call them air people right now because I can't remember they, exactly what they call them. They, they were a defender of, of all sorts of folks. Yeah. They, they train martially in order to protect people that can't defend themselves. That's where Usan comes from. He's 18, just coming of age. Now, Usan has some stuff happen in his, uh, in his past there, right? Right. Some dark things, some dangerous things. Dark things. What do you mean? He's a bright, bright young boy. He's yeah. got white hair. That's no- totally normal white hair. To- yes, totally normal white hair. But uh, yeah, so uh, Usan uh, grew up in one of the temples there. A bit about the air folk here. The air monks. The air monks. Yes, the air monks. There's two sects of their people, basically. There are the people who live in like the monasteries and the temples who are like the monks and things like that. And then there are also just like the common folk people. But... Again, they don't uh, – in our version, they don't have many major cities. They do have like villages and some permanent settlements and stuff like that. But for the most part, they are spread out among the continents. They don't really have a homeland specifically. They have like places that are special and that are spiritual to them or that are like, you know, uh, culturally significant uh, like the temples and Airwalker uh, Pass and a couple of the other places that are important to them, but they are mostly integrated into the societies of the other, I guess, races. But they do have their own distinct cultural identity, I should say, but they basically still blend in wherever they go. And that's what allows them to have their balance and their stuff. And they, But they scatter to the wind, ergo the air people. Or air monks, so stuff like that. So that's what's going on in there. Um, and then we move uh, w- north and west up to the main continent there of Karen, a C A I R N, not K A R. You know, you understand. It does have a I want to see your manager haircut, though. Anyway, so uh, the continent of Karen, we move over to Lim. Oh, Lim is a 19-year-old. Uh, that's what I described as a... I'd say he's more of like a slum rat, if anything. Tried to change his ways in his younger years, but kind of fell on some hard times not to give too much away. So Yeah, we, what, don't, we don't want too much happening right now. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, so, just, a little taste. It's just, just give us a little taste here. So I, I guess, what, what, did, what did Lim like to do? Oh, more or less just kind of uh, roam around the city, cause a little bit of trouble. Uh, it wasn't a bad per not a bad person, but more or less kind of just doesn't like to be bored for too long. Kind of goes gets into his own little things. I see. And then what did Usan like to do? I didn't ask you. Didn't ask you about that. Well, uh, most monks were really, you know, all about like putting their emotions away, making sure that uh, they're totally disciplined and whatnot. So Usan never really got to do do too much other than uh, work on his studies and practicing his martial arts. I see. Yeah, I'm assuming he was a bit of a troublemaker too, as that would pretty much go against the grain of much of what the monks taught. That's right. And now we'll go ahead and head to our north, most northern point, and that little island right below the northern pole there. We come to the twins of Asuna and Kiaru. Guys, why don't you go ahead and tell us about yourselves? 
Yeah, so uh, they're twins, polar opposites, you know, kind of rolled with that. We're a water and fire laser set of twins. Our families, during like a big nomadic time when people were changing up traditions and leaving because of natural disasters, the like polar clan people which were now the Water Clan, because they were trying to distance themselves from the old ways. And the Firefolk people met on this island that's in between their nations. And that's how our family came together. And we would probably be like the first generation of like intermixing, I believe, right? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. yeah, you guys you guys are like the first one and a half generation Yeah. Uh, yeah. of this. like Because uh, you guys, because your parents were relatively young uh when they came to the island but they were both born they were pretty like pretty much like kids when they came over Mm -hmm. um and a perfect family life honestly i mean no complaints it's pretty great not gonna lie everyone's like real supportive and you know blending cultures fairly well (laughs) and we're actually kind of like known as like the miracle twins you know because no one's ever had fire and water lasers born at the same time like that's never been a thing as far as everybody knows mm-hmm. but you're both your mother and father uh were both lasers in their own rights our mother was a water laser and our father was a fire laser right right and so them combined ended up having twins for one of each yep and you know pretty great family life had uh, grandparents that helped train us as well mm-hmm. made friends in school i mean honestly it was a perfect childhood i mean we're still sisters and you know we have our arguments and everything but yeah i feel like kiaru my character often chases her sister around making sure that she's staying out of trouble i mean i you know asana kind of pushes to have action (laughs) we don't dilly dally exactly so uh, we're going to leave that there with you guys before we give away too much. Uh, what they're talking about is the Mount Yoko disaster. And so what happened was about close to 100 years ago now, Mount Yoko, which is the main volcano in the northern part of the Fire Islands, exploded and caused earthquakes, caused ash rain, lava flows, destroyed much of the agriculture, which is what it really was there because of the volcanic soil made everything very, you know, uh, fertile. It burned down towns and basically forced people to either go back into the you know the heart or like the main island of uh, the chain or venture out and so many of them went north and they reached the island of oh did you guys write the island down island name down um uh kariku kariku that's right that's what and so it's this so it was uh how the cultures blended was the polar tribes used this as like a uh like kind of like a, a whaling station basically like this is a last port uh before the open sea essentially and a lot of the trade came in through there because up until very recently people outside of the tribe were not allowed into the actual polar uh, region, the northern continent or the southern continent to be exact. And neither people knew that the other two existed on the island until they met one day in the middle. And luckily, instead of fighting each other, they decided, hey, we're both having a rough go at it. We might as well 
might as well work together. And now you have on this island, it's kind of a, a more interesting cultural melting pot. There are a lot of fire folk designs mixed with the architecture of the polar clan or the water uh, kin now. And that's mostly because it's in the polar region, so it is cold. So you can make ice houses and things like that. But it also is kind of juxtaposed with traditional shingled roofing and things like that from the fire folk. So very interesting thing there. So we're going to go ahead and just give a quick cultural overview here for you guys. So, do you guys have any questions? We, we want to try to get some lore out while we can. Are you asking the audience? I'm asking you guys. <laughs> yes, I'm asking the audience who can't, who I can't respond to. Excuse me, listeners. That is currently listening to me right now. Okay. Well, I mean, do we know, as of now, does the world know who the incarnate is? No. Oh, yeah, yes. So, so that's a very good question. So, the incarnate is essentially like the avatar. the The incarnate is the one person who is able to not just control and tame, but I, but again, bring balance and stuff to all of the elements. Essentially, they are an extremely powerful being, and it doesn't go in a cycle or any kind of thing like that. So, it's not like okay, once. You know, the fire folk have had have had the avatar once they or not the avatar, the incarnate. Once they die, it goes to the earth and then it goes to the water and then it goes to the air. It doesn't work like that. Uh, it's terribly unbalanced. Yeah, it's Apparently. yes. And that's what kind of makes it so difficult for people to understand who, who the incarnate is, because and there have, there have probably been incarnates that have been born that never knew they were the incarnate because they only ever used whatever culture they were born into. And so that's why it's very hard to find the incarnate. Now, each race, of course, has their own reverence for the incarnate themselves. And it is legend that the incarnate only appears when the world is in danger. So the last 200 years, there have ne- there's not been an incarnate that anyone knows of. Now, the disciples, they continually go to... Every time they hear like the possibility that there could be something or something interesting or something new has happened that could be signs of the incarnate, they are always there uh, immediately trying to test and try to find them to make sure that they are the incarnate. And now, I think it's really important to mention that incarnate the last of the lasers the document that we're basing a lot of the stuff off of we're not necessarily following it exactly no we are like i said it's based off of because it does follow the um avatar the last airbender nickelodeon show and comics and all that fairly closely where in in the original document it does talk about how it follows the cycle of the elements and all that stuff so just as a preface, you know, oh, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. we're kind of, you know, changing it a little bit and making mm-hmm. it our own. Yeah. And so uh, so the disciples are always going around to try to find the incarnate and they have been unsuccessful for the last 200 years, essentially. The last incarnate was from the Earthkin and he was the name of Boku. And he was the last incarnate. He was very strong and was the, actually the one who defeated the Phoenix King when they had invaded the Earth Kin. And this was, again, 200-something years ago. But Boku Bay is named after him because he grew up in a uh, port city off of the big bay there near Airwalker's Pass. 
But again, he passed away at the ripe old age of 120, and there has not been an incarnate since. Anything we else? don't know who it is currently. No, 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 nobody not knows who it is. Or which element they'll represent. Yes, or if they even exist anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. How long has it been since the last one? About 200 years. Oh, it's been 200 it's years It's been 200 since years since then, yeah. Okay. So, like, the Phoenix King's invasion of the Earthkin was some, like, 300 or so years ago. And, you know, the uh, Incarnate lived about 100 years past that. Okay. So it's been about 200 years since the last one died. Yes. Okay. Another thing I was wondering is what's kind of, like... The state of the political world right now, like, are things kind of cool? <laughs> yeah, actually, it's 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 an incredible time of peace, the longest term of peace that there has been in recorded history. There's always been at least. Uh, what was that, Austin? No, no. Oh, I was like, there's always there's always been some sort of like internal political strife somewhere at some point. Uh, but even that, there's been there's been just kind of an era of good feeling essentially between all the folk, and there haven't been any big political unheaval upheavals. There haven't been any uh, particularly dangerous uh, natural disaster events besides, you know, uh, Mount Yoko, and uh, there was there. I I guess I should say there was something, but. None of you know about it yet, and it, it's not commonplace knowledge of what happened. Um, bad feeling. Something bad happened. Yeah. <laughs> something something bad definitely did happen, but uh, it's not common knowledge because of just where it happened and uh, the ability to keep it all a secret or as much of a secret as possible. But yeah, uh, it's surprisingly peaceful. Intercontinental trade is booming. Nothing particularly bad, I guess. I'm sorry, I, I didn't know if you guys were looking for something like, oh, everything's changed. It's been 20 years since, you know, <laughs> Walrus Chan killed uh, also, uh, Phoenix King. Um, who killed yeah. Walrus? Wondering if William's gonna kick down your door. Yeah, no, yes, exactly. <laughs> what well, do you no. mean? It's gonna be Games Workshop, the Phoenix King from the, of the High Elves. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's obviously what he's referencing. Oh, yes, for abso- sure. Absolutely, yeah, because elves <laughs> exist here. No, uh, but it's it has been a pretty technologically booming kind of era. If we were to put this into perspective here, um, so okay, so then if we're gonna place those kind of bookmarks there between Last Airbender, <laughs> gonna be those and bookmarks. Korra, <laughs> we're gonna put it a little bit past there. So, like, radio exists. Okay, we, we, we're able to do shortwave and longwave radio, basically. The Earthkin have it, but it's mostly used still for communicating with ships that are at sea. But even then, it can't reach them at certain parts of the ocean, so there are dead zones here. The Earthkin have begun to use, like, make radio, like, a sort of entertainment and information form. But again, it is consumer-grade radios and stuff like that are, like, very rare. Very, very rare. They're almost non-existent. And there is electricity, but it's not very reliable. (laughs) And again, not every continent has 
these things in as bulk. Each of them have sort of kind of specialized in their own things based on their ways. Like the Firefolk have very much invested in their navy and like navigation and things like that because they're an island chain. So they have to obviously move through their straits quite often. And so that would be useful for them. The air monks, they have more focused on not judicial stuff, but like more egalitarian measures and I guess equality in both spirit and in physical form, I guess. And they've kind of rejected some of the more radical spirit world kind of thought processes that basically like everything in everything has a spirit and that spirit is only ever this and so if you're born this way you will always be this way and they've rejected things like that uh the earthkin because they are so far spread out and they are in the largest continent they have really put it in transportation and means of communication they're the ones that have most of the radio regularly circulating newspapers and stuff like that yes well they're even more like town criers really because people people can read and stuff like that and they have their own language but like the printing press is invented but it's not widespread very much right uh Mm -hmm. they do have trams and like big trains and stuff that run from some cities to you know more provincial areas they do have radio and stuff so they can communicate between places. And then the polar tribes, no one really knows what they're really good at. Because, well, <laughs> do so... The polar tribes know what they're good at? Oh, oh yes. Cool, that's what you're good at. Yeah, well, so, so, so the polar tribe knows. Yes, they do know. But they've been so isolated from... Precious few people have seen the Jewel of the North which is their main city there. Very few people outside of the clan have set foot in the city, let alone on the northern continent at all, at least that they know. They fiercely patrol their waters. And they're coming out of a isolationist phase is what's happening right now. And many of the people who were on the island were many of the exiles or people who were like, hey, we understand that the world is now a global place and we need to be a part of it. So yeah, they're they're the ones who are like breaking from tradition. Exactly, exactly. And we're like, we don't have a place here. Let's leave. Yeah, kind of like that. Thing things like that. So that's that's basically what what the other races are. Uh, as for governmental systems, if you're looking at that, the uh, Earthkin are a monarchy. The uh, Firefolk are also a monarchy, but they're like a constitutional monarchy, more like it. So they are proto democratic. Different type of democratic. Yeah. So they have. <laughs> so they they have they have like a legislature, and the king is like a rubber stamp on that, but the king still does wield enormous power. Like there is still a legislature, but the Magna Carta hasn't been signed. And the fire kingdom, they call it a, the Magna Carta. Yeah. The Magma Carta. The exactly. Magma the Magma Carta. Carta. Exactly. All right, uh, I'll, see, I'll see you guys later. I'm out. Yeah. And then there's the, uh, I've, I've said my piece. It's like, all right. And that's, 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 the high, that's the high point of my comedy. I'll see myself out. So there's that. And then the water clans are a, like a clan confederation, basically, where they do have a, a dual kingship or a chieftain. And all of them swear fealty to the south and to the north, and they make one united confederated government. And the air, the air people, they're basically 
I mean, they're monastic in many cases, or at least one half of them is is like we is had monastic. A masters and such elders. Yeah, yeah, and so they're they're very like ancestral based, and to some degree, them as a whole are like that that entire race is, but seeing as they don't really have a homeland necessarily. They basically fall under whatever land they land on. They follow those specific rule sets. Now, their their cities that they do have are, uh, you know, appointed mayors, but it's usually a town elder kind of thing like that. They're not too fussed about their government. They're just worried about peace and tranquility, essentially. The incarnate, again, hasn't been seen for, for so long, but each of you has a different view of the world and as as you all have been leaving your your areas or have been forced out of your areas or whatever brings you to to the table there is a general feeling that this time of peace is short that's ominous yeah (laughs) well i mean the the one thing for you guys was when you were in your in your rites of passage there were many things in there that weren't that shouldn't have been there and so just the fact that migratory patterns are changing and things are showing up in way in places that they shouldn't be showing up in the fact oh, So you're not talking like politically you're talking like I'm talking about just in general just like naturally Yeah well I mean Chris Chris got a got a pretty good uh, you know I guess I'm sorry Lim got a pretty good idea of what you know politically is is on the horizon uh, it's Us- not good. Yeah Usan <laughs> Usan, I was like, Usan got a pretty good idea of what's coming spiritually, and you guys got one from more naturally what's happening. I I mean, because here's the thing, like, dormant volcanoes don't normally just explode. Yeah. I don't think they they just do. (laughs) That's how they get you. How else would they sneak up on you? Yeah, exactly. It's like nobody paid their, their, their volcano insurance. Oh, uh, this volcano's a level sixteen rogue. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it waited uh, so long to get its sneak attack bonus. And yeah, stuff. exactly. Yeah, it was. It was. It was just biding its time. <laughs> Mountains don't just explode. You know, things don't just start all of a sudden changing their migratory patterns out of nowhere without any kind of like, without any rhyme or reason. You know, the spirits don't go gallivanting about much in the world. When they don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. So the general feeling is that something, you know, something isn't right. But then again, that also comes with like a, a, such a long period of peace. This is an extended period of peace. There's it all to end that. At some point. Yeah. So it has to end at some point, right? Because nothing, nothing good can ever last, right? Except for this podcast. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so uh, we'll go ahead and I think we'll go ahead and wrap up here. I just wanted to make sure that we're all on the same page and kind of get what's going on here. And I think these session zeros are very important. And I hope this was entertaining to listen to. Uh, it was mostly just me talking about, <laughs> you know, things that nobody's experienced yet. But I expect us to go all over the world. I expect us to to hit the very north, the very south, the very west, the very east. You name it. I expect us to eventually go there or go around those areas. Again, in, in, in my games, I like to love, give the players a story, but I also like to give them agency. So those of you listening, yeah, there may be times when, you know, there's something that seems to be incredibly pressing, but we're going to spend 30 minutes of our precious time or like three days in game trying to lock a door by using <laughs> another door. 
So these things always happen. I mean, honestly, my character might try to do that. Please. <laughs> Please just fucking close the door. Don't need to rip it off the hinges. Just use the lock that's already there. Yeah. Go grab that other door. If we hit the, this door hard enough, it'll lock it in place. It'll lock it in place, exactly. listeners, that will be coming up. That will be coming up very soon. You'll understand that inside joke later. But uh, I hope you guys are interested and I hope you will enjoy what's coming up next. There's going to be a lot that we're going to get hit with. A lot of characters are going to come in. I'm going to have to juggle all of these names and all of these places. It's going to be a <laughs> yeah. real fun time. Especially, especially the the correct ones for the incarnate you know, oh, supplemental yeah. stuff so that we don't get sued by Nickelodeon. Especially. Yeah. Right. Vi- yeah, we have Vi- <laughs> Vi- Viacom Senpai, please. Please do. I'm not right. gonna have like a guy in a, with a big D mask throw a sack over my head and drag me out of my house. There you go. Well, in your right. case, Please don't come after us. I like, know that you guys created the these characters that. We're basing it off of us, but please break. Yeah. Please be nice. Well, hey, I mean, as a labor of love instead. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, Chris, in your case, instead of it just being a bag, it'll probably be a Sherwin Williams bag, and they'll like drag you into a stock room and go sort these. <laughs> match all of these stains. No, you can't do this to me. Match, match, victory red and cherry red. I'm just a small boy. Don't do this. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so that's all fun and games, and that's just kind of the stuff we can expect to uh, come into uh, this game. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Again, this is Dice and Consequences. We'll be back with uh, episode one of Incarnate. That look for episode one of of Strahd coming up soon as well. And uh, hope you guys enjoy this ride and join us with it. Join us on this thing, man. I talk. I I'm in radio. I talk for a living. <laughs> you do this professionally. This is my profession. This is my chosen profession. Not gonna lie, I thought you were gonna say we'll be back after these messages. Not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, we'll be back after these messages. That's a lot of my job, actually. But. Uh, <laughs> I can never wrap anything up. I take like 20 extra minutes to wrap everything up. So like that's our family. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's well, yeah, that is, that is also very true. <laughs> uh, but anyway, thank you guys again for tuning in. Uh, Austin, Chris, Kirsty, Savvy, thank you for joining me. We'll be back with episode one very soon. So stay tuned. This is Dyson Consequences. Take care. Bye. 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 Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Dyson Consequences, featuring Jake Geedy, Austin Woodyard, Kirsty Hamilton, Chris Ward, and myself, Savannah Baldwin. We have a lot more content coming your way, so stay tuned. Next in lineup is the formal introduction of our characters, then episode one of the Incarnate Campaign, and after that is the first episode of The Legend of Strahd, DM'd by Austin and featuring familiar voices from this session with a new voice by the name of Eric Hamilton. Theme song and outro is called Firestone by Seth Baldwin, my brother and talented musician. You can check out his work on Apple Music, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your music. I know you can find it. You're pretty resourceful. Until next time, remember to never roll unless prompted because the dice have consequences.
All right, listen here, assholes. So I've, I've been coming up with some theme music for, for the podcast. Do you guys want to hear it? Yeah. These are the adventures of these friends going around the world. Is that or is that copyrighted? Can I not use that? I don't think you can use that now. Ah, damn. Well, okay. Well, Granddad Nintendo's gonna come kick my ass then. Okay. Nintendo is very upset about their copyright laws. They are. Yeah. Oh God, we don't. We don't need to get into into copyright law as we're about to do this.